Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to part two of Judy Rodman's interview and uh, part two of our first segment, which is our new segment called Women in Music. We're going to open up with Judy's um, acceptance speech at the ACM Awards in 1986, ACM standing for American Country Music Awards. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of this cast. Thank you. The 21st Annual Academy of Country Music Awards. If anyone is wondering whether this is an important award, I guess we should mention a few former winners. You mean like uh, Crystal Gale, Debbie Boone, Linda Ronstadt, Olivia Newton-John, Donna Fargo, and Barbara Mandrell. Well, you know, that's pretty impressive. So let's tell everybody who this year's future superstar is. All righty, here we go. Open the envelope. Future superstar. The top new female of the year is... Announced winner. Uh, Judy Rodman. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> to Tommy West, who was the first one to believe in me, to Alan Bernard and Howard Stark, who are alive and well and doing wonderful things in Tennessee, and to the rest of my dear friends at M MTM Records in Nashville, to my husband John and my family, to David Skepner, Loretta Lynn, and Janie Fricky, to the radio and retail and fans who have given me support, and to the Academy, and to Arthur Price and a lady named Mary, wherever you are, this is because of you, and I thank you with all my heart. There are times when you have to sing behind the beat or ahead of the beat, and you've been out there and you've heard those bands, whether it was a cover band or whatever, and you hear somebody and you can tell, this doesn't sound quite right. And even the people that are not trained like us are sitting there going, what? There's something off with this, whether it's the guitar player wasn't in tune, the bass player was a little out of tune, or again, the singer is a little bit off. And so... <clears throat> One of the things that live performances, because we can't fix live performances. They are in the moment, right? Um, <clears throat> a lot of guitarists, they have these, they're universal questions. Well, you can, but we won't talk about that. Well, it's supposed to be <laughs> yes. Those racks that sit behind the, the vocalist with the, with the tuners and right. stuff. Right. I know about those. Um, yeah. But when you're, when you're playing and singing, how do you, how do you maintain your timing, especially when there's like there's echo or reverb, um, whether you got monitor troubles, stuff like that? And and again, I refer back to that live performance that I saw. You had to you had to hear the band in a in a windstorm. I mean, it was it was so windy. Your hair was in the drummer's face. It was that far back, and, <laughs> and you're at the front of the uh, the stage. But um, I thought you were going to fly away. You're so small. And um, I just thought, you know, how are you keeping yourself in time as well as in tune while you're singing and got all that stuff going on? And one thing my mind always focuses on, maybe because my husband's are, is the drums. I have the drums in my hips, you know. I, I feel <laughs> the drums in my legs. Uh, and, and if I can't, that creates a problem if you're in a big stadium. But, you you know, that's where the, you have to do, that's why you do need some kind of, wedges or in ears so that you can stay acoustically kind of feeling what's going on rather than the echo of what's going on. Right. So that's, uh, but I could do that. I could feel, you know, the drummer in my legs and the, uh, as far as the pitch goes, you know, you actually memorize the feeling of where pitch is when you, so, so you want to practice in tune because of that very reason. 
And the other thing is I know how to use my guitar to help me with breath control. How are you keeping your breath control right. with with a eight pound weight on your chest? The way you do it is uh, you take your guitar and instead of cradling it, you wear it. You wear it. So you use the guitar to widen your rib cage instead of collapse it. Let me tell you a funny story. Um, back when, when I first came to Nashville and I was doing a lot of those big, uh, background vocal sessions, I did one for Johnny Cash and Snake Reynolds was the engineer, I remember. And it was at the old RC, big, huge, big RCA studio in Nashville. And, um, Snake, uh, or it was a CBS, uh, RCA or CBS, one or the other. But anyway, Snake was up there and I, I, I remember him sending his second engineer down. This was a simul session, okay, where you do background vocals, lead vocals, and the track at the same time. It was amazing that I and, and it was so cool that I got it was got there in 1980 in time to do a bunch of those. But anyway, so they sent the second year uh, engineer down to give Johnny Cash his guitar without the strings on it. And I I, I saw that and I was back over you know with Herschel Wigginton and everybody doing the background vocals behind our little baffle. But I saw them do that, and I was thinking, wow, that's wild. And I didn't know why they did it. But now I do. And they may not have known why they did it, except they noticed that he did better when he had his guitar in his hands. Well, there's two reasons. One, psychologically, is he's used to having his guitar between him and the people. Okay. Yep. It's, it's, it's a psychology. You know, your body language, your voice has come out of you with your arms doing certain things. The, the second thing is physical. When you have when he has his guitar, he's learned to sing with his guitar. So he's learned to use his guitar to in some way open his rib cage. Because that's the way he controlled his voice. That controls breath. Your your diaphragm is wider, stretched wide like in the right way. Now, if you use your guitar and you let it, maybe it's too big for you, or you're using it too high and you're letting it collapse your rib cage, then you're screwed. You know, you've used your guitar to sabotage your breath control because your diaphragm then has too much slack, like a badly strung trampoline or drum head, right? So what you have to do about that is widen your rib cage. And when you're recording, if you're a guitar player on and you do you sit, play and sing all the time, you typically are dropping your arms and you've got rib anchors for arms. Yeah. And so that's so you don't have that breath control. So when they put Johnny's, you know, guitar back in his hands his rib cage is wider and uh you know he also feels more normal and so he's just replicating what he does on stage it must have been a nightmare if you ever saw lemmy sing you know who i'm talking about like what lemmy he was a <laughs> no. he was a heavy metal bass player and his microphone um the, the people won't be able to see it but his microphone was always up like this mm -hmm. so he would he would sing oh, gosh. So, so if you bring your chin up, and everybody that's listening, you can bring your bring your chin up. Notice what happens to the bottom of your rib cage. Yeah, it tightens. Yep. Right. So he might have been singing like that. You know, he, he's got to have been uh, experiencing some form of vocal fatigue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounded like it. <laughs> it was always sounded like. It. Right. So you don't want you want it, you know where you set your boom stand on stage makes a huge difference too. Because if you set it in front of you, you know, and I've noticed, like, uh, like on the Grammy Awards, if if they set the, if it's live, it is, if it really is live, and that microphone's in front of them, and they're they're 
you know, they're moving their head towards the microphone like that, they're going to sound a little bit strained. Yep. If the mic, if they, if you walk into the mic uh, and you you drop your chin, you walk into the mic where you feel like the mic's in the middle of you, even in front of, or, you know, like between your guitar and you. Right. Like right there where the guitar joins you. Okay. You're going to be widening your ribs because otherwise you're going to be biting the mic. You're going to be eating, you know, hitting your mouth on the mic. So that's a way that you can play and sing on stage <clears throat> with better bro- uh, vocal control. You just gave me Watch a free lesson. Feet. Yeah, that yeah. stuff is like, that stuff is super useful for, for a lot of people. Yeah. I sing a lot of very high notes um, when I'm singing on stage. And I've got to do four hours tonight, by the way. So that's why the, that's why the, um, yeah. for, it, it, and that's another thing. Let's talk about that. So th- vocal health for musicians, especially there's, there's a couple things that I, that they don't consider, or a lot of us don't consider. Um, one of the things is where the amplifier is and, and how loud your vocal monitor is compared to your guitar monitor. Um, and a lot of people like to practice singing in the car and they sing yep. along with the radio. That's fine. I'll tell you if, if that's fine. If, you just get good technique when you do it. Yeah. So what you've got to do is not lean into the steering wheel, but use the steering wheel like you want to use your guitar. Use it to move back. Use your posture and all that. The other thing you need to do, especially in the car, is you have something to drink if you're going to sing in the car. Because uh, the cabin of any kind of vehicle, whether it's an airplane or a bus or a car, uh, is dry. Is yeah, dehydrating. Yeah. Hydration doesn't start when you get there. Oh, uh, no. No. Uh, <laughs> no, the body doesn't consider the vocal cords uh, uh, an issue with vocal cords to be life-threatening. <laughs> we do, but not the body doesn't. And so it lets the water, the H2O that you drink, uh, hydrate tissues of your body before it gets to your vocal cords. So you can do, you had to do two things about that. One, you kind of start drinking uh, day before, days before, in fact, habitually drink enough water half your weight in ounces is usually a, a good yeah. uh, baseline and then the other thing is you can instantly hydrate your throat your the pharynx uh, which you can't you can't make water go down your vocal cords are you going to be choking right. but it can it can hydrate the pharynx which can then kind of get into the larynx the tissues of the larynx if the pharynx feels hydrated. And that is by adding a little pineapple juice in your water. Like really? four parts water, one part pineapple juice. Even when you guys are doing this po- podcast, you can have a little bit of that sitting on your desk. Really? Yep. Pineapple juice. Now, I'm going to I'm gonna say that I've heard lemon. I've heard um, I did the slippery elm thing. I've done so many. And you're telling me pineapple juice, which I absolutely love, by the way. And that's the reason. And it is you don't want to drink it straight because that can add to a little acid reflux, which is epidemic with people, especially people under stress, like artists, <laughs> like people that are musicians. <laughs> okay, but um, there's a there's an enzyme in the pineapple juice, bromelain enzyme, that tenderizes it, you know, and hydrates and soothes tea. And, I've, and I, I learned about it naturally when I had a three day session. I was leading in another city. So there was no, it was like nine people I was leading a background session for, and there was no rescheduling it. And I came down with laryngitis the day of. So 
I just, I tried everybody's lozenge and, and spray that, of course, everybody helped, tried to help me out. And nothing worked until I went to the refrigerator and there happened to be a little can of pineapple juice. So I put it in my big 13 ounce glass of water, diluted. But anyway, uh, the bromelain enzyme uh, uh, in the pineapple juice instantly soothed my throat. And as long as I was drinking that diluted pineapple juice, I could even sing in my head voice. Wow. So, and then I've tried it since then on all my students and it's worked for absolutely everybody, studio or stage. Or vocal lesson practice. Guess what? A little uh, bit unless, of that's going in yeah, here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're allergic to pineapple juice, of course, right. which very, very few people are, but there are people that are. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some of the things that, that people should avoid? I mean, it's, uh, it, there's always the obvious things. Avoid alcohol, <clears throat> which oh, yeah. guitar players just don't want to hear. But what are some of the other things? Yeah, try that pineapple juice instead and some good vocal technique and you will soothe your nerves much better when you feel better and you're more confident. So you don't yeah, need the I alcohol. I was going to say confidence alcohol, is a big deal. Yep. Yep. The alcohol is is just uh, it's, it's, it's a mechanism. <laughs> okay. And besides that, your pitch is going to suck and you won't know it. <laughs> uh, but avoid avoid alcohol. Avoid uh, like black tea and uh, like the tannins dehydrate you as well yeah I, um, avoid a lot of, yeah avoid a lot of talking with bad technique in between your sets oh and you know that's hard i mean we so you get off stage people want to talk to you everybody wants to tell you um, their story and uh I can say from personal experience, that's the that's the time that everybody wants to tell me what their favorite song was that I did or that I have to do, right? And of course, there's there's a recording because nobody wants dead air, so there's there's all the voices and there's a recording going on in the mains, and and people are asking you questions. Okay, so talk me through this, Judy. Well, what do I do? Okay, what you do is you have to guard your speaking voice like it is your treasure, like it's your main asset. Because for anything vocal in music, I'm sorry to tell the guitar players, if it's vocal, the voice comes first. <laughs> and because that's that's the point, that's the point of the spear. That's what's communicating when the vocal is there. So treat your voice like any asset that it is. Talk backwards. I tell I teach people to pull both the singing and the speaking voice. <clears throat> if you clear your throat like I just had to do um, do it backwards. So when you mean backwards, do you mean you're pulling the air in? Oh, no, you're not really, but it feels like you are. You're like if you say pull instead of push, say the word pull and you'll feel that, you know, actually try pulling the P back up and back pull. like you're oh, slurping okay. a, a milkshake and you're doing that. Right. You also don't don't want to don't don't compete with the volume of something else. You can mime the words in your face. Uh, you can laugh silently or laugh backwards. Uh, you can smile and respond with facial gestures and body language rather than words. You know, you can you can say things like that. Or you can, you know, put your, your hand at your ear and get really, really close and talk right into their ear. Or you can suggest that you go outside and, and speak to them out in the in the hallway. But do not compete by trying to out, uh, you know, out volume something else. Yeah, on breaks, I always, I've always gone outside. I, yeah. It just because for one thing, it gives your ears a rest. So you're right. 
You're right. And they are important too. We cannot forget that because if we can't hear ourselves, we can't sing and pitch. Absolutely. Your ears are definitely important. So that means you want to watch the volume that your in-ears are uh, are set at. And you'd never want to use just one in-ear. Always use both of them, even if they're I like to let them be a little loose so I can hear a little bit more ambiance, <laughs> but but always, don't don't just use one, and uh, watch where your amp is placed. When you toured, did you did you choose your own musicians? I mean, you talked about that earlier that that a lot of money went into your musicians, and did you have the same studio musicians as touring musicians, or were they kind of a different? Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, until you really start making money. Um, my, my, of course, my studio musicians were union and that's the best musicians in the world are union musicians, but on the road, uh, they were in the union as well, but they weren't session quality. And sometimes I'll tell you something though. Sometimes your road band, especially, especially now can be better than your session band because they get used to what you're playing and, and they, and you can experiment more. So it doesn't mean that you never use your road band in the studio. But they, they need to be very good, and they need to not to waste your studio time. Right. That you make, say that, would, would you say personality for road musicians is a, is a bigger deal than studio musicians because they have to interact a lot more, and they have to live together, basically, while they're on the road? They both matter. because And the reason is, you know, on the road, that's the reason they matter. They have to get along. But in the studio, you don't want to waste time with drama. So the yeah. professional attitude is absolutely paramount. With Otherwise, you're not going to be a studio player in the first place. Yeah. So it matters with both. So that with musicians, you got to be, you got to have the professional attitude and leave the drama at home. Yeah. I wish you could tell that to a lot of musicians that I've played with in the, in the past. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> drama is the saboteur unless you're using it to express a song yeah and in that case you're creating drama in your mind whether it's i you know you're just like an actor up there and, and you've been there you have to go from like okay i'll, I'll go right to that <clears throat> so she thinks she'll marry you had that at number nine you were married at the time he took her to paris he took her to spain he took her for granted but wouldn't give her You already had a husband. You loved very much, and you had a child. Yeah. And you're talking about this woman that uh, she's she's uh, going to get married sometime, but probably not. That's the that's the whole crux of it. You had to make Listen, that up in your that mind. Was, that was actually a real person. It was a very dear friend of mine that I was worried about. That, and I started writing that song in Memphis, and I had all of it done except the bridge. And I, it was like two years, and finally. Uh, I found a co-writer for the for that and uh, Dwayne Orander, and uh, but it was about a real person, oh, and wow. it's I, I don't want you know I don't want to share the specifics of her story because of course it's it's a real person, oh, yeah. but right. it was definitely based on a real person, and she actually liked it this song because it made her come out positively you right. know, uh, but it was definitely a cautionary tale, yeah. and. 
it ended up she did get married, but but the guy was so bad that, that she finally ended up not not marrying that guy, but somebody else. It was a really bad uh, bad guy. And so what I often said, you know, was that I should have written a sequel to that song called "She Finally Got Married and She Wished She Hadn't." Yeah. <laughs> now that is sounds funny. like a country song. <laughs> um, do you miss the road? Do you miss touring at all? I mean, I know that you do tours, you do smaller tours when you do your instructional stuff, right? But do you miss the tour, the tour? Because you, you had know a child. What? I, really, I, I really loved it. In fact, I, I love this smell of diesel fumes. I know that's really crazy. I was so at home on stage and I did miss it so much that the only thing that's filled it in my life, other than, you know, my family and all that, but it is, it's been my teaching. And the reason is I get to be part of everyone else uh, that I teach. I get to be part of their journey and I get to be the wind beneath somebody else's wings. And I had no idea how fulfilling this could be, but it's just been awesome for me to, to, and it's, it's also made the time that I did tour and the, the time that I was in the limelight and all that kind of stuff, it's it's brought it fresh meaning because I can use it to benefit other people. So I'm, I'm like, I get to be a mentor. And that is just, it's like, it's like made it mean something again. What are some of the most important things that you've noticed that have changed over the years as far as touring goes? Well, one thing is the money that has gone into touring, uh, the staging and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just, it takes so much money that what I find really important is to also be able to, so, so that you can actually have a, a financial success, financially successful career is to also be able to be a musician uh, or work with a, with a musician that, that just like hand in glove so that you're more self-enclosed, self, self, uh, self-contained right. and self-sufficient. So that means up your game with your musicianship and your vocal ability. Yep. Um, so we're, we're coming towards the end um, and really appreciate your time. What are some of the projects you have going on now? You spoke that you had an album that your husband and you put together. Is he a musician? Is he a singer? Oh, Is he-, he was a, that's the way we met. He's a session drummer. Oh. Yeah, and then he w- he went on the road with me. Did the Tonight Show and the, the Austin City Limits and the whole bit. So, oh yeah, we and he quit, and then he started back because he missed you know doing the art. And it did. He didn't. In his case, he's he's an odd duck. He didn't miss it as much as some people would because I think he used his creativity in different ways. But we did. We we ended up doing another album. Uh, you can find it at johnandjudyrodman.com. Okay. And uh, so that's that's that. Uh, the other thing that I'm doing is continuing to be a mentor in other people's careers. My ideal client is the professional voice, meaning, and that doesn't mean they have to you have to be making money or be on top of the world, but where you you're serious about your voice, and that is for stu- stage and studio people. Uh, you can find all of the, my products and services at www.judyrodman.com. Yep. And there, um, so one of the things that, that uh, we're obviously in a world of online, you have, you have a, a podcast as well, all things vocal, correct? 
Right, right. It's excellent. Right. And, uh, I've been a listener since day one. Um, awesome. And uh, you also have um, uh, the website. You do lessons. There are also there's some free stuff that's on your uh, free PDF that people can download for vocals. Right. Um, for health. Yep. And free and free sample vocal lessons on YouTube. Uh, that you can find from my website, right? And I do online lessons. I mean, just lately, I've uh, got a, a one scheduled for Albania. Uh, I did one in Scotland the other day. Uh, a lot of UK people and Australians. So it's really wonderful the the ability to work online with people all over the globe, and not just country. I work with all genres popular genre music, meaning anything other than classical. Okay, yeah. So um, before we started, Dave, you're, was it you that said that your parents were going out to karaoke? Oh, yeah. They're big karaoke people. They Love go every it. Saturday night. My Love mom's it. been a singer. Uh, she's been a singer, especially at country music, since I was, God, old enough to remember. So That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember when we... The, the karaoke thing first started. I was uh, actually uh, a, pro a vocal producer and, and contractor for a couple of those uh, karaoke companies that created tracks and mm -hmm. vocals and all mm -hmm. that. And I got to use uh, the best singers in Nashville to create those tracks that reduce old hits, you know. So but that's an awesome, awesome thing. And everybody needs to sing. And the point I want to make is that I, I love working with musicians, with karaoke, people with singers, song, with songwriters that want to sing. All of, There's a lot with doctors, lawyers, whoever that want to <laughs> sing. Uh, because singing vibrates the body first, your body, and creates endorphins. And it's healing. And it's, it's, it's relaxing. And it, that's what, what it's supposed to do. Singing delivers messages. So you get to really use your voice to, you know, create messages and stuff like that. There's all kinds of very deep reasons to want to sing. And the, sure. better you, the better you sing, the better that gets done. The more endorphins you create both in your body and in the body of the listener to your voice. Yeah. When I was in college, we talked about uh, ethnomusicology and, and they would – go into these foreign countries and they would find people that sing in very different ways, but for a specific reason that would actually help them do something like, uh, I think there's some goat herders in, uh, yeah. the middle East that will sing so that they can not run their goats together. They, they create dissonance and they can hear that. Wow. And then there's also, uh, people in uh, post offices in Ghana who sing specific songs to give a rhythm so that they can get their mail through the post office more effectively and faster. Wow. Yeah, and of course, there's the the frame drum stuff where mm -hmm. you bring a healing sound and all kinds of things. Yes, the voice is absolutely fascinating. Right, and you so know, is the, so is the guitar. <laughs> it's you know, and I'm going to bring that to the guitar because a lot of guitar players, especially these bedroom players, um, you know, who are who have not played with other folks, um, the voice will help you get your notes right on the guitar. If, if you've oh, yeah. ever seen myself, I've, I, and I can probably say it for a, just about every guitar player from David Gilmore to uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan to whomever, if you watch them live and they're making guitar face, they're not making these faces because they have to use the restroom. They're making these faces because they're actually <laughs> mouthing the notes as they yeah. sing. Yeah. 
And I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think I can play yeah. a solo without it. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. What your face does can affect your voice. Right. So I just want and to so, say, yeah, so your your whole body goes into both should go into both playing an instrument and singing. You know, your whole being goes into it. I always tell people if you do it right, you'll really want to eat a moose, even if you're a vegan after your show. Yeah. But you won't be vocally tired. Yeah, you do want to eat. I I, <laughs> I know that at two o'clock in the morning on the way home, I'll probably stop at Denny's. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it just it's it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Um, well, Dave, you got any more questions? No, I think I'm good. I, this has been wonderful. Uh, she's enlightened me quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm going to use the, I'm going to use the microphone, you know, for years and years. I know I have to have my mouth right on the mic. That's been something that I've always been doing, but especially for high vocals, when you, the higher the note, the more precise you have to point it into that condenser, um, to get that flap moving. Um, because the microphone is an ear and uh, a lot of people don't really think about that. You, it, I'm sure you see the people that are walking around with their microphones down on their chest and they're, and they go to karaoke and they're singing and you wonder why can't anybody hear them or why can't they hear them? Sound people hate those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Cause they're always having work. No, you need to, and that's a whole other, whole other ball game that we could talk about sometime, but you yep. need to self-compress, self-compress in the pelvic floor. Right. And that, that helps you do it. So instead of singing, that, that helps your high notes and your low notes be more uh, of a magic trick where it's really the same volume. It's just different passion, different tone, but your sound person's going to love you that way. Self-compression. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've, oh, I have to learn that because if a high note is nothing but, I mean, it still takes a lot of breath. I mean, you know, when I'm singing dream on. High notes take less breath to create, more create, more, more breath to lift up to, but less breath to create. It's a smaller wave. Correct. And that's the yeah. thing. You have to have that. The reason I say more breath is because typically when you're singing a high note, you're, you're, you're holding it longer. The, the rib cage has to expand. A lot of people are afraid, oh, I'm going to look fat if I do that. But if you don't expand, then, because uh, I used to sing up here, I used to sing from up here and I used to, right. I used to breathe and you'd see my shoulders go up and down. And I had to learn right. you know, that the breathing had to happen down here where you can't see even you can't see it. Um, okay. Let me give you a really good suggestion for tonight. Yeah. Okay. All right. When you go for a high note. Uh-huh. Lean back just a little bit from your guitar and squeeze your butt. Oh, okay. Press your heel down, which is the same thing as your butt. It's just a butt extension for your voice, okay? Okay. I will try that. Seriously. <laughs> Good stuff. I, and I got to okay. tell you, we could have oh, we could have gone on forever. You've been you've been so enlightening, um, so helpful. Um, I just I don't know what to say except thank you so much for for joining us, giving us a free vocal lesson. All these guitar players that are going to yeah. listen to this. You're so welcome, and thank you for the great questions. I really love talking about the voice, as you can tell. (laughs) Yes. Have a great day, and thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We uh, appreciate all of Judy's time, and uh, with the new format, we broke this into two 30-minute segments. We're going to end this with a clip from a song Judy did back in the 80s called You're Gonna Miss Me When I'm Gone. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you.
Keep my heart, save it for a 